Hello, hello, Jamie Sire here. Food Network Obsessed is still off this week, but we wanted to leave you with another treat to listen to while we're gone. You're about to hear an episode from the Best Thing I Ever Ate podcast based on the hit Food Network TV series. On the Best Thing I Ever Ate podcast, you'll hear direct audio from the TV show with Food Network stars from city to city eating and chatting with chefs about the best things they've ever eaten. In this episode, Desert Island Dish, You'll recognize some of your favorite voices from Food Network Obsessed, like Alex Guarnaschelli, Duff Goldman, and Dan Langan talking about the one dish they simply can't live without. I think pizza would definitely be on my list. And if you like this episode, you can listen to even more of The Best Thing I Ever Ate on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And without further ado, here's The Best Thing I Ever Ate. Who doesn't love great food? more than just eating, it's an experience. Do we have any more? This is the best thing I ever ate. If you were stranded on a desert island and you could have nothing else, this is the dish that you would have. This is desert island dishes. The dish I picked is Paella Valenciana from Black Bull in Chicago. I could live off of just this dish for years. Happily. So paella is meat or fish layered on top of beautifully cooked rice. This paella valenciana is a dish that you would go to a desert island to eat, that you would risk being marooned forever to eat. This is a dish that should have its own desert island named after it. It's cooked in a specific pan, a paella pan. I like the thin ones because you can see the little crispy rice in the bottom, the most important part of the paella. And they add olive oil, some salt, they add the meat. The chicken. And we are also going to add the rabbit. Green beans, more seasoning. A little pimenton de la vera. This is a little smoky and sweet. Grated tomato, which cooks down. They also make a rabbit stock and a chicken stock in-house. The saffron will give you a beautiful aroma and flavor. Bomba rice is always a component in paella. In Spain, bomba means like bomb because it's around. It can absorb two to three times the amount of liquid than other types of rice. There's also a bit of rosemary. The broth is evaporated. We're going to get the flame super high because we want to make things so caral the socarat, that layer of crusty, crispy rice on the bottom of the paella pan. Imagine the top of a lasagna in rice form. And when you scrape and you hear the crackle of that rice on the bottom, that's the prized part of the paella. If you get close to the pan, you can hear the, the rice is frying and it's like getting crispy. And you're digging in, you're scraping and getting that delicious, toasty rice on the bottom, the chicken and the rabbit, and the flavors of the saffron, sweetness, which the rabbit just takes and makes its own. When I get to the end of this desert island dish, I'm actually no longer looking to be rescued. This dish has rescued me. Alex, I know how much you love cake. Why would you pick paella instead of cake? Really, honey. You're going to be on your island super grumpy. I'm going to be on my island with a pile of blueberry cake donuts laughing my butt off. Duff, I love you, babe, but you're not going to survive on a desert island with your dinky little blueberry cake donut. Not just any blueberry cake donut. A blueberry cake donut from Paradise Donuts in Baltimore, Maryland. I want a blueberry cake donut or I'm going to die. 
Cake donuts are dense. If you take a regular glazed donut and then you take a blueberry cake donut, blueberry cake donut's a lot heavier. A lot heavier is more donut. For the same price, they start by combining cake flour and salt. The salt balance is perfect. You're not gonna notice it's in there, but you'll notice when it's not. And baking soda. That's gonna make the donut rise. Next, I'm going to add blueberry scented dextrose. I've already incorporated blueberry oil into this dextrose, and this is the more complex sugar that you're gonna get naturally out of fruits and vegetables. Sugar soaks up the blueberry oil and then distributes the blueberry flavor to every part of the donut. The thing that sets apart Paradise from every other blueberry donut I've ever had, they're not using an extract. They're using freeze-dried blueberries. It really gives you an honest flavor of blueberries. So my final ingredient is a rough chopped blueberry. It'll mix for about one minute. Then you fry it, and then they dip it one time and get a thin, delicate, beautiful vanilla glaze. Perfect donut. And that's what you want with a correct blueberry cake donut. First thing you get is sweet crunch, that vanilla sugar glaze. But then you get into the donut. It's really tender, it's really soft, and it's pillowy. And you're getting warm donut, that very slightly acidic but sweet flavor of blueberries and the tiniest bit of salt. I have to have it. And if I don't get it, life's not worth living. It's the best blueberry cake donut I've ever had. If I could only have one dish, over and over and over and over again. Nothing would please me more than to have this dish. What is this dish? Chuletas can can at La Fabrica Central. It's the most tender, ridiculous luxury pork ever. Chuletas can can. Can can references French dancers, like the can-can dancers, you know, with the ruffle skirts. The pork chop, it's sliced, so when you fry it, it puffs out like a beautiful ruffle skirt. I grew up with this dish in Puerto Rico. I have been to many restaurants looking for a chuletas can can. This is one of those things that if you leave Puerto Rico and you see it on the menu, you go like, oh my God, this is like my whole lifetime in one dish. Chuletas can can is a very special cut. It includes the rib, the chop, and the rind. No other place will you be able to find this cut. Monty, you're missing out today. It's not fair that I have to talk about it, okay? Because now I want it. It's two and a half pounds of pork chop. Have you ever? It has the fat and it has the skin plus the pork belly, which is the important thing. They brine it for 12 hours with cilantro, salt, pepper, cumin. I used enough garlic to kill a vampire. I'm sure of it. <laughs> Just like, bam, get in there, flavor. We cook them for four hours and a half at 140.5 degrees. What's great about sous vide, it doesn't let any of the flavor escape. It's kind of like giving it karate chops of flavor. Once it's been sous vide, they deep fry it in canola oil for complete and total perfection. You want a little acidity? Okay, let's bust out that ahili mojili. It's basically a garlic sauce with a little heat to it. They're gonna serve it with some green twice fried plantain. And we put some escabeche on it, cooked in a little bit of vinegar and oil. And this is la chuleta can can at la fabrica central. When it comes to the table, you just need to stand up and cheer for it. Mmm, it's so good. There is a 
thunderous crunch. This is so crunchy. And then that fat is like the most delicious French butter ever. And then all the other things that come with it. It seems like it's too much for one person. It is not too much for one person. Just go to Boston and try this dish. It'll change your whole life. My Desert Island dish might surprise you because it's just, note commas, a sandwich. But this isn't any sandwich. This sandwich makes me cross LA in LA traffic to go and eat it. This is the Longanisa sandwich at Mamsa, and it is the best. Mamsa is a modern take on traditional Filipino food, and they make food that makes you smile because it's so good. Longanisa is this phenomenal sausage, simple, done beautifully, and one bite will change your life. The first step to making the sausage is seasoning the pork with salt, sugar, black pepper, garlic, and a mixture of beet juice and annatto seeds. Then the key is patience. And you leave it for 48 hours, then all of those flavors are gonna come together and it's gonna ferment slightly, so it's gonna have a little tang to it. Now that it's fermented, we're ready to make our longanisa patties. Do you wanna cook it at medium heat, just so the, the sugar caramelizes slowly, and caramelized sugar on pork, it's like a marriage made in heaven. The first time I had this sandwich, I knew I was in love. It was like the first time I met my wife. That's touching. It is touching. Slightly sad that the, after my wife, the second thing is a sandwich. I like to use King's Hawaiian bun because its texture and sweetness really plays off the spices of the sausage. I like to toast it topside bun down. You then add garlic aioli. And the last thing that goes on top is one of the key elements for me. It's an achara, and that's a grated, unripe papaya relish that's going to give a real zing to the mouth. It's really going to make your mouth go, wow, what am I about to eat? <laughs> I'm going to be very happy. Actually, I am very happy because I'm eating it right now. I am as happy as a happy man can be. There's not one element to this sandwich that makes it work. It's all about balance. The spiciness of the longanisa, that lovely red color from the beet juice, that wonderful garlic aioli, and the softness of the bread. You have hot, salt, sour, sweet, all in one bite. So good. It is the perfect sandwich. Butteriness of a latke, that sweetness that comes through, that kind of saltiness where they season it to perfection. Oh, just so many textures and so much freshness and every ingredient. If I was on a desert island, the only thing I'd need is the Fancy Pants latke from Baz Bagels in New York City. They're so good. I mean, they're Moorish as anything. Once you've started, you cannot stop. Oh. So this is the thing. I'd never had a latke before. And so I went for the fancy pants latke. It can't be beaten. It's too good. And to be honest, I don't think I could have another one because I've had the best of the best. The latke is not a complicated dish. It is a simple potato onion mix. But when the ingredients are as good as they are at Baz Bagel, it becomes something very, very memorable. The first thing I need for good latkes is some good, big Idaho potatoes. Also great Spanish onions. They add matzo meal, an egg, and salt and pepper. Now I'm gonna form the lakas. We use a slotted spoon because with the recipe that my grandma does, she uses a slotted spoon, I use a slotted spoon. 
Then they fry them to perfection in two inches of oil at 375 degrees. That is the perfect sizzle that we are looking for. We start seeing the edges start to get nice and crispy. House-made dollop of sour cream, hand-sliced smoked salmon. We slice it very thin. You're supposed to be able to read the New York Times through the salmon. Beautiful salmon roe. Just for that extra decadence and a sprinkling of chive. It's harmony. It's harmony on a plate. I mean, we're talking crispy, like properly crispy. You've got the hot of the freshly fried potato, and then you've got the cold of the sour cream. And that richness of the potato cake balanced out with that really fresh salmon. And then all on top of it all, if it wasn't fancy enough, that salty salmon roe that just pops in your mouth. Ah, <gasps> oh, honestly, they are the best thing I've ever eaten. I'm stranded on a desert island. I need meat, bread, cheese, a little bit of vegetables just to make sure I'm staying healthy. And that's what you get in this chicken cheesesteak. I'm Dan Langan. The chicken cheesesteak from Antonella's Italian Kitchen in Bryn Mawr, I could eat it every single day. It's just like a level above the rest. Always perfect, beautifully cooked, bursting with flavor. So good. Antonella's, it's like a small neighborhood Italian deli. Oh, yeah. You can walk in and you can pretty much guarantee you're going to run into an old friend. Hey, Ray. You know what I'm here for? The usual. Chicken cheesesteak. You got it, buddy. <laughs> You've got nice, big, meaty pieces of chicken. They season it perfectly with a little bit of olive oil. Italian kitchen. You have to add the garlic, right? Salt and pepper. Parsley. So then in a separate pan, they saute red peppers and onions. We want to hear that sizzle. One of my favorite ingredients whenever I'm cooking with garlic or onions is paprika. It just brings out that sweetness in the onions, and it gives it a little bit of that smoky flavor. Look at that. Woo! To that, they add the partially cooked chicken. We're going to add some white wine. Why? Hey, why not? It's white wine. It makes everything delicious. Time to build the sandwich. They load it up with this chicken, pepper, and onion mixture, and then it's time to top it with the cheese. Sharp provolone, and they pop it in the oven to toast it until the cheese gets crunchy on the edge of the bread. Perfect. Hi, Dan. Here's your favorite. Oh, yeah. First thing I get is the crunchiness of the bread. Crunch, you hear the crunch? And then before you even hit that chicken, there's a nice cheese pull from the toasted sharp provolone that's on top. Mm. And then you get to the chicken in the center, real big chunks of tender chicken with that white wine and garlic flavor in there. Mm. Oh my God. Chicken cheese steak dance. Mm. <laughs> If I'm stranded on a desert island, this chicken cheesesteak is perfect. I could eat this every single day. If I get stuck somewhere on an island, I would have to have tiramisu from Osteria Angelini in Los Angeles. I know there are many all over the country, but this tiramisu stands out by far. It's really the most amazing dish. You can't stop eating it. Stranded on a desert island, a great dessert would be my number one choice by far. But I don't need it on an island. I eat it at Osteria Angelini. So the best thing would be that Gino comes with the whole restaurant and just cooks there. Maybe if he only can make tiramisu, I would be very happy. But I'm sure I will go fishing and catch something. So we have a little fish before and then the tiramisu. It just doesn't get any better. 
For make a nice tiramisu, you need to have a great espresso coffee. Beans from Italy and a nice machine. You cannot use American coffee. You want an espresso which is really concentrated and has really an amazing flavor of coffee. You add a little brandy and then you let it cool off. Next, I make the mascarpone. You whisk the egg yolks with sugar. You add mascarpone and you add heavy cream. And then you whip it until it gets perfectly delicious. And you see it's become very creamy and floppy. It's ready. Then they use a pan and they spread the mascarpone mixture. Next is the ladyfinger. I put in the coffee, the brandy. So when they soak up the espresso mixture, they still have a little crunch in the outside, but the inside is really moist and full of the coffee flavors. We make three layers of the ladyfinger and mascarpone. Put in the refrigerator for two hours. And then, to finish it off, you dust it with cocoa powder. Everybody loves cocoa, little more. And then it's ready for it. This is what I call a tiramisu. Mm. You can taste the espresso with a little brandy in it, the creaminess of the mascarpone. Mm. So good. Wow. I don't have to go to an island, but if I'm there, I want Chino's tiramisu. You know what? I'm just gonna eat that. You guys can go home. I have my tiramisu. I'm perfectly happy. <laughs>